I always feel really short. Like, Adrian makes this look the normal height. It's not. He's lying. This is... Yeah. I feel like I need a step, but I also move too much, so it's fine. Um, so today, I want to talk to you about the most dominant bloke in the Old Testament and what on earth he has to do with a bunch of farmers today. So, I'm not good at standing and just talking at you. So when I ask questions, I would like responses. Who do we think the most dominant bloke of the Old Testament is? Who put that on the screen? I didn't touch it. You know what? I didn't touch it, so no one gets any treats. It is Moses, our very own Prince of Egypt. Which is why today, for those of you who like titles, I've titled it Pharaoh and Some Farmers. <laughs> Snazzy. <laughs> now, before we jump into it, we're going to do a little bit of Old Testament recap. Now, I am going to go very quickly. In fact, Rob's like, oh, good Lord, because he knows just how fast I can speak. Um, if you're at home and you have the option to slow me down, might be a good idea. So, let's do this. Let me see all my names. So there was this bloke called Abraham, and he had a wife called Sarai, and one day God came down and said, I don't really like your names, so I'm going to call you Abraham and Sarah, and despite the fact you're really old, prinkly, wrinkly, pruny people with no kids, you're going to have more descendants than stars in the sky, and after a few hiccups, they have a little boy called Isaac, and Isaac marries a woman called Rebecca, and they have two sons called Esau and Jacob, and despite the fact Esau was born first, Jacob steals his birthrights, and so the promise of God goes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob has two wives and two concubines and 12 boys and one girl, and then God comes down and says, Jacob, I don't really like your name, Eva, so you're going to be called Israel, and your 12 boys are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of these boys is called Joseph, and he's a bit of a cocky little so-and-so, <laughs> let's be honest, <laughs> and dad plays favourite to Joseph and his brothers get fed up so his brothers sell him into slavery and tell his dad that he's dead but he doesn't stay in slavery and he grows up and he uses a God-given gift that God gave him of interpreting dreams to become the second in charge of Egypt and save the Egyptians from a seven-year famine. This famine reaches out to Canaan which is where his family live and then after a bit of back and forth Joseph goes, guys it's me and all is forgiven God used it and we're all good. Pharaoh thinks this is amazing and invites all of his family to live in Goshen so the Israelites the clan of Israel Jacob live in Goshen. A few pharaohs down the line, we reach a pharaoh that's not been bothered to learn the history of his country or the people that live in it. And he's scared about the Israelites because they're getting too numerous because, you know, the promise went down. And so he decides to enslave them and kill all the baby boys. However, this doesn't work. Herod could take some notes. And so a baby boy gets through and his name is Moses, our bloke. And his mum and his sister have a bit of a craftsman and they make a basket and they put the baby in the basket and the basket in the river and the sister by the river. And the princess comes down from Egypt and gets in the river and I've no idea why all these people are in the river because it's a river now and it's full of like crocodiles and hippos and scary things like that. But anyway, they're in the river and the princess finds a baby and the princess is like, I want one because you know, princess. And so she, <laughs> Moses goes to Pharaoh and he grows up in the palace and he knows that he's an Israelite. So one day as a grown up, he goes out into the Egypt, and sees an Egyptian slave driver beating up an Israelite, and he steps in and says, that's not okay, the Israelite gets away, and when no one's looking, Moses ends up killing the Egyptian slave driver, but he thinks he's got away with it, and the next day he goes out, and there's two Israelites fighting, and he steps in, and the Israelites are, what are you going to do, kill us like you did the Egyptian slave driver, and at that point, Moses realises that if that gets back to the palace, he's screwed, so he runs away into the desert, and he finds his Midians, he gets friendly with a chief priest who's called Jephro, and he marries his daughter Zipporah, and they end up having bunch of kids and he looks after Jethro's sheep for him and one day he's out shepherding the sheep and he finds his bush that's on fire but it's not burning up and he's like that's a bit weird and it turns out it's God and God says the people that wanted to kill you are now dead so you're going back to Egypt because the thing is my Israelites are there 
and they don't know I love them, and they don't know I care about them, and I'm not getting any glory because they're stuck in this broken and oppressive system, and so you've got to go back. And Moses doesn't want to go back and take some convincing, and eventually God's like, you know what, I've had enough. If you need someone to hold your hand, you can take your brother Aaron with you. And so <laughs> Moses and Aaron and Moses' wife and family all end up back to Egypt and present themselves before Pharaoh, and that is where we're going to start today. <laughs> The rest will be slower. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> and so, to set the scene, they go back towards to see Pharaoh and say, let God's people go so they can worship them in the desert. And Pharaoh says, if you've got time to worship, you're not working hard enough, and makes their life as it is for a lot harder. Because Pharaoh has a hard heart. And that's important for the next bit. However, the next bit requires some audience participation. I know, you're all so excited. <laughs> We're going to go pantomime style. If you are on this side, congratulations, you'll be playing Moses. And in your deepest, most commanding voice, when I ask you to, which will be like, I wish you to say, let my people go. Do you think we can manage this? Shall we practice? Nice and deep. Moses said, Let my people go. Oh, lovely. Now on this side. Hello. Behave. <laughs> you are going to be my pharaohs. I know. So, all right, you don't have to join in. <laughs> now, I want full-on sass, but like mean sass, like a mum who's already asked you ten times kind of sass, okay? And we're going to go with no, no, no. Can we practice that? So Pharaoh replied, No, no, no. Ooh, love it. Okay, so just in case we forget, I'll pop them up there. I know, but you never know. Okay, so we've got 10 of these to go through. I hope you're with me. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Let's and Pharaoh replies, no, 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 no. Excellent. So Moses warns Pharaoh about what's about to happen, but Pharaoh has a hard heart and doesn't listen. And then we have the first plague, which is of blood. Literally all the water in Egypt turned to blood. How rank would that smell? Let's be honest. Blood and sunshine. So Moses goes back to Pharaoh, and Moses asks, Let my people go. And Pharaoh says, No, no, no. <laughs> You're probably going to be sick of this one, understand? <laughs> Enter the second plague, frogs everywhere. Imagine going to the toilet, and there's a frog in your toilet. How annoying would that be? I know, it's gross, isn't it? <laughs> so, next... Fair Moses goes back to Pharaoh, and Moses asks... Let my people go. And Pharaoh says... No, no, no. Excellent knowing. Next up, we have the plague. So Moses warns Pharaoh about what's about to happen. He's always nice. He always warns him. Pharaoh never listens. He has a hard heart. And so then there's a plague. This time, it's gnats. Now, I think about the gnats. Up until this point, Pharaoh has these magicians. And they've been able to do everything that Moses has made happen. Well, God through Moses. At this point with the gnats, the magicians go, yeah, we can't do that. That is beyond us. Pharaoh, that is the finger of God. 
for Pharaoh, it changes nothing. So, there's gnats everywhere. Um, so Moses goes back to Pharaoh and Moses asks, and Pharaoh says, no, no, no. Um, so Moses warns Pharaoh about what's to happen. Pharaoh doesn't listen because he has a hard heart. And then we have a plague. This time, it's flies. Now, some of you are like, that's not that bad. Some of them are like, we hate flies. I detest flies. Like, there's this thing called fly strike, and it affects animals, and some of my sheep have had it. And the flies come, and they lay eggs in the sheep, and then they hatch into maggots, and the maggots eat the flesh of the animal, and it's minging. If you've not had to spend your Monday morning digging maggots out of a sheep, you don't understand how horrible this plague is, okay? We do not want the flies. <laughs> do not appreciate the flies. To the point where, when Moses goes back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, um, could you make the flies go away? And then you can go, just not too far. So Moses does. And then Moses comes back to Pharaoh and says, Let my people go. But despite promising, Pharaoh's changed his mind and says, No, no, no. Naughty Pharaoh, you should never go back on your word, should you? Um, so Moses warns Pharaoh about what's about to happen, and Pharaoh has a hard heart and doesn't listen. Next plague on the livestock, as if they've not had enough with all these flies. All the livestock are dead. Lovely. So Moses goes back to Pharaoh and says, And Pharaoh says, No, no, no. Silly man. And so Moses warns Pharaoh about what's about to happen. And Pharaoh has a hard heart and doesn't listen. Next, boils. Uncurable boils. Which some biblical historians actually think was anthrax. Mmm, yummy. Everybody wants anthrax in ridiculous heat in Egypt. So Moses goes back to Pharaoh and says, Let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, no, no. Apparently he likes the boils. So Moses warns Pharaoh about what's about to happen. But Pharaoh has a hard heart and he doesn't listen. And so next we have the hail. We have a plague of hail. And this one comes with bonus plagues. But you didn't know that. The hail came with thunder and lightning. Ooh, I know it sounds like gladiators from the 90s. <laughs> uh, however, this is not your average hail. This is hail so big that it kills you, it hits you. So anyone left outside, any animals that weren't left outside, not all animals are livestock, some of them are like donkeys. They're all dead now. Anything left outside is dead. The hail's destroyed half the crops. So Pharaoh calls Moses and says, I was wrong, the Lord is right. Please take the hail away. And so he does. And then he comes back to Pharaoh and says, Let my people go. But guess what? He changed his mind again and said, No, no, no. We disapprove of Pharaoh. So Moses warns him about what's about to happen. But he has a hard heart and he doesn't listen. And next comes the locusts. Mm, yummy. They yeah, they do. They literally eat everything. So the half of the crops that survived the hail that weren't quite upright yet get eaten by locusts. And just like that, Egypt has no harvest that year. Mmm. Caveat. Little ironic. Well, not ironic, a bit of a God thing. That Joseph saved the Egyptians from starvation, and when what he did was forgotten, they get no harvest. Mmm. No food for you. Um, it's not funny. People died, but still. Um, 
At this point, Pharaoh says, all right, you can go, but only the men. And Moses says, no. Like all of them. And Pharaoh says, no, so sexist. Just let them all go. So Moses told him about what's about to happen, but Pharaoh had a hard heart and didn't listen. The ninth plague, darkness. Now, I know that might not seem that bad, but imagine going about the whole life, not being able to see hand in front of your face like this close. How terrible. Um, so Pharaoh calls him back and said, you can go, but you've got to leave all your livestock. And Moses is like, but we need to take the livestock with us. You just need to. But Pharaoh says, if you're taking your livestock, then... And he goes one step further. He says, never see me again. And Moses asks, all right, see you later. Um, But before I go, let me warn you about what's about to happen. And he warns him. But Pharaoh has a hard heart. You'd think he'd listen by now, because so far everything Moses has warned him about has happened. But he doesn't, because he has a hard heart, and God's about to get a serious amount of glory. So the tenth plague happens. Now this one is the death of every firstborn in Egypt, bar the Israelites. All the Egyptian people, all the Egyptian animals are left after, you know, endless plagues have attacked them. Anything left, basically, the firstborn of it dies. At this point, Pharaoh calls him back, and he doesn't say no, no, no anymore. In fact, Moses doesn't even have to ask. He says, go, leave, but bless us on your way out, because at this point, the Egyptians all think they're going to die. And so the Israelites get to leave. Um, But that, I know you're, like, excited for the bit with the sea, but that is actually where we're going to leave our story for today. Um, Now, I'm guessing most of you are still scratching heads about what on earth this has got to do with a bunch of 21st century farmers, or harvest, given the fact that the Egyptians had none. But all of that is coming in part two. We're going to have a dance break. I'm going to invite the band back up, because I don't like sitting on pews for too long. And therefore, we're going to stand up and sing. So, for all of the nostalgia, because it's harvest, we're going to sing Cauliflower's Fluffy. (laughs) So, so if you would like to join me and stand, we're going to sing, if you're willing and able, we're going to sing Cauliflower's Fluffy. (laughs) Sorry about that, you wanted to cuddle. All the memories of finally being old enough to sit on the pews and not the floor. Get little benches at the back. Uh, Anyway. Now, now I'm going to talk to you about farmers. 21st century farmers. Hmm, I know a few. Uh, And I want to talk to you about two headlines, two shortages of UK food that have hit the headlines since last harvest. The first of which is the shortage of UK pork. Did anyone notice that this summer? Apparently there was a shortage, we noticed, some of us, cool. So, here is a headline from May this year. UK face shortage of barbecue favorite due to farming slump. Lazy farmers slumping. (laughs) Means you get no British sausages. Or, you know, pork belly or anything else you like to put on your barbecue, really. There's less pigs. Now, if only someone had warned us. This is from January. The government doesn't care. UK farmers voice alarm over shrinking sector. 
oh, maybe that's the slump. And why does the government not care? And why is it shrinking? Maybe it's not the farmers. But still, it's not much of a warning. It was only January, right? Here's one from last May. Tesco's, now I will caveat with this, it's not just Tesco's, okay? <laughs> the article went on to list most major supermarkets, I'm not going to lie. Tesco's urged by pig farmers to pay more for pork. Hmm, I wonder if that has anything to do with the shortage. And finally, from November, the soul-destroying impact of the pig crisis and why it is happening. Ooh, maybe there's a bigger story here. Let's look at the facts. So, fact number one to do with this one and this one. Is there a slump? Is the farming of pigs shrinking? Yes. Yes, it is. In fact, pork production has shrunk 15% this year. Now, can anyone guess how many pigs that is? Just pick a fun number. Eight million, lower. Lower than three million. Not 1.2, even the farmer's getting it wrong. Just want to point that out. <laughs> Anyone higher than 1.2 and lower than two? 1.8 is wrong, too high still. 1.6, too high. You know what? Close enough, have some bubbles, catch. It is. <laughs> 1.4 million pigs. No wonder there are less sausages on your plate. Well, less UK sausages on your plate. Now, Bryony, why is this happening? And what's it got to do with Tesco's? Let's talk about supermarkets, shall we? I know, supermarkets are not my friend today. I do not take anything against anyone that works at supermarkets. I shop at supermarkets. They fill a need but they do need to do better. So, the supermarkets were buying pigs at a loss for the farmer of 50 pounds. So for every pig, the farmer was losing 50 pounds, which could be why they were urging them to pay them more. Anyone else think if they were losing 50 pounds per job that they might ask for more money? And Tesco's, to be fair, as we spoke about Tesco's, they increased payment to pig farmers by 3.4 million since March 2022. It does make you wonder, where did they get all that money all of a sudden? Well, the operating profit for Tesco's in 2022 was 2.8 billion, and it was an increase of 58.9%. So maybe they could have just paid the pig farmers a fair price the whole time and not waited until the industry collapsed. Maybe, but you know. What do I know about business? Now, this last one that I want to talk to you about, because actually it's not just the supermarkets and we can't just blame the supermarkets. There is a much bigger problem that has happened in the pork industry. Is this soul-destroying pig crisis. And as a livestock farmer, just, like I only have five sheep, but you know, <laughs> as someone that loves livestock farming, I can agree that this, what happened in 2019 was soul-destroying. You see, for a pig to go from pig to your plate, it has to be processed in a place called an abattoir. Not many people want to work in abattoirs. It's not the most glamorous job, and it doesn't smell the best, I'm not going to lie. 
And so a lot of the people that work in abattoirs are not from this country. And back in 2019, we started to feel the effects of Brexit. And so a lot of the people that worked in the abattoirs left because they no longer felt welcome. Can you blame them? No. But it left the abattoirs severely understaffed. Now, they were doing their best. And we, again, do not blame the abattoirs on this. But there's a loophole that a lot of producers, not producers in this country, but a lot of people who sell pork in this country like to use. You see, we have very, very high welfare standards in this country, and so it costs a certain amount for us to produce a pig. But overseas, they have lower welfare standards, particularly for pork. And so they will buy them alive, ship them in alive, fill our abattoirs with these animals, have them processed in this country, because that way they can put a little flag on them to make all of you think it's British, because part of its journey was done in the UK. And because of that, the UK pig farmers weren't able to get their animals through the abattoirs, and so culling happened. At the height of it in 2019, tens of thousands of healthy pigs were being culled on farms in the UK every week. In fact, one disposal company, which just did one area, took 250 tonnes in a week, which is 16 large pigs or 35 piglets that didn't need to be. But because greedy people work in a broken and oppressive system and flooded the abattoirs with cheaper meat, and I get it, it's a cost of living crisis, we all need cheaper food, but maybe not at the expense of other people. And so maybe if the government had cared, and maybe if supermarkets had paid a fair price, and maybe if the food system was not so incredibly broken, we wouldn't have a shortage of UK pork. Maybe we were warned, like Moses warned Pharaoh, and maybe we didn't act fast enough, and the people in charge didn't act fast enough. And the media, not going to lie, made it sound a bit like it was the farmer's fault. Do you know what I mean? So one thing I love to do because it's the way my brain works. So I like to circle back to a Bible story, work out the main characters, and when I'm facing a situation in life, work out where that situation fits. So in our main characters in our Exodus story, we have Moses, Pharaoh, and the Israelites. If we were going to put our pork farmers in the story, which character would we give them? There are bubbles up for grabs. Anyone? Would it be Moses? The farmers. So the ones stuck in the broken and oppressive system. Which one, which job we give them? Oh, Israelites. Israelites. All the way to the back. Mind yourself, I'm not a good fro. And Lilia, you also answered Israelites. Much easier there. In their bubble, Zach. Zach, is Moses a good guy? Yeah, have some bubbles. <laughs> Excellent question answering. So, on to our second shortage. You will also notice the quotes around the word shortage here. And I've written in my notes, Bryony, keep it together. <laughs> the egg. Oh, the eggs annoyed me. Yeah. So many of you noticed that late last year, the British eggs disappeared from the supermarket shelves. 
No one else remember going to buy eggs and there were just empty shelves? And yet if you wandered into a farm shop, there weren't. And the supermarkets told you that there was a shortage of British eggs. And we all sat there like, mm-hmm. All of the chickens, they all just joined a union and crossed their legs. <laughs> they all have 100% control over that biological function that has to happen. Or, you know, all the farmers put them on the pill. Who knows what we thought when we believed the supermarkets when they said there was no British eggs. They tried to say it was bird flu. We have had bird flu in this country for decades. We have never had an egg shortage before. Not bird flu. It wasn't even a bad bird flu year this year. So, the real reasons, and this time, it was the farmer's fault. Kind of. The farmers went, I'm not going to sell you my eggs for that price. You're not having them. And so the British farmers stopped selling to the supermarkets. And that's why we had an egg shortage. And to explain why, I've got a chart. Now, there's a slight error on this chart. I do apologise. So, our white line is how much the supermarkets paid in December of 2021 and November, which is when it got really bad, of 2022. You'll notice that it is straight. And it's at the white one. It's at 115 pence per dozen. Ooh, nice. Now, the pale orange one, the lowest one on an angle, is how much it costs to produce a dozen eggs. And in December, it was 105 pence. Farmers were making 10 pence a dozen profit. Woo! They need it. <laughs> but as you can see, it went up to 145 pence. But the supermarkets carried on paying 115, meaning they were losing 30 pence per dozen of eggs. It's not great. So why did the price go up? because the price of production is 60 to 70% based on feed rates, and one of the main crops that they eat is wheat, and that comes from the Ukraine mostly. They are a massive wheat producer. So when silly people make silly decisions and start wars without thinking of the consequences, eggs get more expensive to make. Really wish certain people would think before they act. Um, but the supermarkets, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe they couldn't afford to pay any more for the eggs. As you can see, the yellow line at the very top is how much they sold the eggs for. You may have noticed that the price of eggs has gone up. In fact, they started in December selling them for 250 pence per dozen and ended November selling them for 330 pence per dozen, meaning they went for a profit of 135 pence. Obviously, this is gross profit. I know there are other costs to a gross profit of 215 pence, all whilst not paying the farmers any more money. For those concerned, this is not Tesco's, although Tesco's are similar. This is actually Sainsbury's, because, you know, you've got to change it up a bit. <laughs> so what did they do when there was a shortage of British eggs? They imported eggs from Italy. Does anyone have a guess at roughly how much they paid for the Italian eggs? Wrong. Anyone else? No? No? It was almost 200 pence per dozen. But they can't pay the British farmers that because then they'll want it all the time. 
Because, you know, supermarkets pay farmers according to demand and supply rather than costs. Now, maybe you're sat there thinking, yes, but Bryony, maybe the Italian eggs cost more to raise. Mm -hmm. I have more graphs. Love a graph. Pie charts. So in Italy, 65% of chickens are barn raised, which is cheaper. In the UK, 70% of chickens are free range, which is more expensive. And you may be wondering why, Bryony? Why? A, less space. And B, Italian eggs are raised to EU rules, which is nine hens per square meters with no outdoor access. And that's absolutely fine in Italy. The RSPCA recommend two and a half hens per meter squared with outdoor access. And that's just for pets. That's just standard basic rates that we should be sticking to. So they cost less and they paid more for them because otherwise they'd have to give the farmers a fair price. <coughs> they have sorted it out. And maybe you're thinking, Bryony, you're getting very irate for 30 pence. It's only 30 pence. A Freddo costs 25. Like, let's be honest, inflation. This is true. How many chickens do we think they are that lay eggs in this country? I'll give you a clue. It's more than there were pigs that we lost. How many chickens do we think there are? More than four million. More than six? Right, you're going to have to go up a lot from seven. 20 More than 20, less than 50. A little bit higher than 30? More than 35, more than 29? Slightly more than 38? 39. You get some bubbles. 39 million hens laying eggs in this country. Well, the UK, so we've got to include Scotland, Wales, and that little bit of Ireland at the top. Oh, noise. <laughs> now, countdown. Let's do some maths. Love it. <laughs> 39 million eggs lay, on average, 250 eggs per chicken. That gives us... 9,750,000,000 eggs per year. Now, obviously, all of our prices have been worked out in dozens so far. So let's divide it by 12. 812,500,000 eggs, dozens of eggs in a year. It's only 30 pence a dozen. It's only losing 325 million pounds a year. Could your industry survive losing the equivalent of 1.3 billion Freddos? And yes, I did work it out in Freddos, because life. <laughs> no, I don't think it could. Are we shocked that the supermarkets stopped getting the eggs from the farmers who were not willing to lose 30 pence per dozen? No. So where would we put the egg farmers in our story? Do we think they're the hero? I mean, they did stop paying. Do we think that they might be stuck in a broken and oppressive system like the Israelites, and that we might be currently producing less eggs than we ever have done since records began? Yes? Would anyone like, some, would anyone like to claim that answer and get some bubbles? Yes? Cool. <laughs> I can't throw, so you said yes as well. There you go. Mind your child's head. I'm really, really bad throw. I should not be doing the throwing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's bubbles up here at the end if you want some. <laughs> so, serious face, Bronnie. Is it any wonder 
that mental ill health affects 20% of farmers. Or that on average, three farmers lose that battle every week. So, who are you going to be in our story? Will you harden your heart like Pharaoh and refuse to listen? Or will you consider this a burning bush? Will you take God's love to those who are struggling? Will you find one of the billions of ways to give God the glory and show people just how much he cares? Will you be a Moses? <laughs>